0: this is a download from BFM 89.9 the business station by the book on BFM 89.9 hello everybody you're listening to buy the book i'm sharmila ganesan and with me as always my intrepid traveler into 2022 lili lin i cannot believe we're here but hello hello and uh, happy new year everyone it is our first buy the book episode for the year of 2022 and we're as befuddled as you are so just bear with us Uh, we did think we'd start the year off by wrapping up uh, some of the highlights of 2021 uh, the things that we read that stayed with us or resonated with us the most we would like to hear from you as well what were some of your best reads of the past year you can whatsapp us 018-789-8899 tweet us at bfm radio
1: write to us at buythebook at bfm.my lynn do you want to kick us off so I thought that we could talk about some of the books that we read for the show um, because I think that for us in particular, I'm not sure whether this applies to very many other people, right? Um, a lot of our reading habits are actually tied up in, in our work and so I'm planning to just draw a bit of a division between the stuff that we read specifically for the show, the stuff that we reverse engineered, I'm guilty of this, um, you know, and said, yeah, everybody needs to know about it. Let's do it for the show and the stuff that we read independently because I think the bulk of what we did was read for the show. Um, So I, I think it won't come as any surprise if you've heard our recent episodes to know that one of my favourite reads, two of my favourite reads that I then pushed onto people with like the fervour of a true believer were Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell as well as The Wind-Up Girl by Paolo Bacigalupi which are our two most recent book clubs and I love them both. They're very, very different books but they both, I think, took me out of Selangor for a little while in a way that I haven't been able to get in 2021.
0: I had a feeling you were going to pick both of those so I resolutely kept them off my list even though Hamnet definitely for me also makes it into my one of my best reads of uh, 2021 um, it was a book that I'd actually been wanting to read for quite a while but it did take the sort of kick in the pants of uh, you forcing it on me but also (laughs) the format of the show to have to get around to reading it and I'm really glad I did. Wind Up Girl, as, as I mentioned in our review, I have a little bit more mixed feelings about, but it did make me want to read more of Paolo Bacigalupi's stuff.
1: I, I think the reason why I liked Wind Up Girl was partly because it was complicated and partly because I did not love it unreservedly. Whereas Hamnet, um, you know, I've I've read some reviews that suggested that it was too ponderous, that perhaps, you know, it wasn't the easiest read, and to that I will always say what are you talking about? Whereas disagreements over The Wind-Up Girl, I see more of that. But also it's just, um, it's rare that you come across a book that you could discuss even with people who don't read books. And The Wind-Up Girl falls into that category. I think
0: Hamlet is actually a little bit of a harder sell than Wind-Up Girl, to be honest, Um, because everyone that I've, I've then recommended to, and, and this is honestly, it is the kind of book that once you're a believer, you start going out and preaching the word. I've been trying to push it onto people and most people feel a little bit, either they fall on the side of, do we need more on Shakespeare than we already have? Um, or they think, well, do I have to be kind of into that kind of stuff and a literary, quote unquote, snob to be into this book? And and neither of those things are true. And And I will say that even though I didn't put it on my list, it was definitely one of my highlights. So what's on yours? On that note of being able to, I suppose, travel or see um, different worlds, one of my highlights for the year was actually um, something we did very much in the early part of 2021, City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty. Um, I hadn't read a proper sort of meaty fantasy book in a while, and particularly a fantasy book of this kind. It reminded me a lot of things that I read when I was younger, and... Um, the breathy dramatics of it all, but also underpinned by a solid storyline, great world building. um, And the fact that it's inspired not by Western mythology or Western history legends, but instead more um, Eastern, Middle Eastern specifically. I love that it was one of those books that um, having read the first, I've actually subsequently gone to buy the remaining two books of the trilogy. And I haven't read them yet. And we're going to discuss reading resolutions later and that's definitely part of it Uh, but that was one of my favorite reads of the year I keep longing to go back to the world even you know almost a year after I read it
1: I swallowed the other two books whole so um so uh... (laughs) unfair I'm so jealous how do you do it the problem, no sleep. No sleep is the answer. <laughs> because once we read City of Brass, as recommended by uh, our colleague Lin Ma on the station at the time, um, once I got into it and, you know, we were there with Nari and uh, just everybody Dara. else, and Dara and Ali, um, I, I just, like you said, wanted to go back. And then once you're back, I think the the thing about the those books is that they represent, I think, some of my favorite fantasy elements which is to say that the world building is really strong the characters are good and then the writing and plot are good so Mm -hmm. it's a lot of different things coming together because um, it moves you very rapidly from chapter to chapter things are always happening the world is so interesting Um, actually as an introduction to fantasy I think you could hardly do worse than reading the Devabad trilogy as a whole. So on that note
0: of, I think, maybe speculative fiction, I wanted to bring up, uh, this was actually an interview we did. I don't know about you, but I didn't go into this with very high expectations. But another book that made me very happy this year was Project Hail Mary by Andy Weyer. Um, again, sci-fi is a genre that I love. Um, and I don't know why Andy Weir has always been one of those writers that fell through the cracks for me. I watched The Martian. I enjoyed it. I wasn't compelled to read the book. But after I read Project Hail Mary, I actually ended up reading The Martian and enjoying it tremendously. I think I enjoy his writing because he's inherently and and he says this in the interview we did with him. He's inherently a hopeful sci fi writer. And whether Project Hail Mary or The Martian at a time like 2021, feels like the kind of futurist fiction that is written to make you feel hopeful about humanity, rather than pondering on our imminent ruin and I think it's a book I needed to read. I I love the characters in Project Hail Mary. They've stayed with me. They've made me happy to think about and there are few pleasures as a really great friendship in a book.
1: I wholeheartedly agree. I think Project Hail Mary, what stood out for me in particular was that it was really fun. I'm always grateful when I read science fiction not to be a scientist because I think that there are so many things. Too much knowledge can only be a bad thing when it comes to science fiction because you're just going to be standing there going, please, this is not true. There's nothing about that that is true. Um, but in the case of Project Hail Mary, it felt like I was in safe scientific hands, um, mm. You know, as if I was reading something that, that had a lot of ground in actual possibility but also it wasn't so stuck on that that it feels the need to explain to me over and over again how it is that Oxygen could become what have you and instead it was just a really fun adventure book that's how it felt and uh, this is something we mentioned in our interview with Andy we at the time as well so cinematic cannot wait to watch it I think it'll be great
0: oh I absolutely can't wait for it to hit the screens which you know as we know it's already
1: been commissioned what else do you have So in the vein of stuff we did this year, this is my last one, Kazuo Ishiguro's Clara and the Sun, which is a completely different sort of science fiction book to the one that we've just been talking about because it is thoroughly Ishiguro. It is melancholic, it's philosophical, it asks questions about what it means to care for someone, you know, questions of awareness and sentience and the like. But in general, I just loved it so much. Um, It's one of those books where after I read it and I closed the covers, I just wanted to sit there for a while and think about Clara um and, and think about the the people and the non-people that we just spent time with because it was such a lovely read and it leaves you feeling not hopeful, but thoughtful. And that that's I think um one of the gifts of books as well.
0: An Ishiguro novel for me is always something to look forward to. So um I remember we discussed it as the book to look forward to for twenty twenty one. So when we got to talk about it, I was really happy. It's not an easy book for the time it came out in, I think. Um, It touches a little too closely to the kind of melancholy that perhaps we felt a little too much. And so because of that, I find it difficult to unreservedly recommend it to people. I think you do need to be in the right headspace. But it's such a beautifully written book. It's vintage Ishiguro. I anyhow love themes of um, artificial intelligence and... um, I I, I guess the rumination on mortality and what it means to be human and not. And this book does all of that so beautifully. Um, I actually reread it. It's not a full reread. I kind of, for some reason, quickly reread it. Um, So I browsed through, skipped some chapters and... I think it's a great reread book because you focus then on details that because you only kind of have a a full picture of it at the end, right? But when you go back, you pick up details and the true cleverness of the way he's crafted the story really comes across upon second
1: read. That and um, in watching and reading interviews with Ishiguro, it is quite clear that how I read it was not necessarily how he wrote it. And that Mm. was also something that was interesting to me and would inform a reread as and when I summon up the um, emotional chutzpah to actually get yeah. into it. That's actually why I skipped some
0: chapters because I was like, nope, I can't do a full dive into this right now. We're wrapping up our favourite reads of 2021, both work-related and by choice. If you have um, highlights that you'd like to share with us, books that have stayed with you from the last year, you can WhatsApp us 18 tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. You're listening to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn, and we're talking about our favorite books from the past year. It is 2022, um, and so we thought we'd look back at some of the reads that have stuck with us. Uh,
1: we've gone through a number already. Lynn, what's next on your list? So now we enter the bit of uh, reading for pleasure, the the stuff that I just read in between the books that we read for work. And um, one main one that I wanted to talk about, surprisingly, now that I've put them all down, they're all female writers, but Ali Smith, or Ali Smith, I think is probably how you would pronounce it, is an author that I've mentioned before on the show. Again, not one that I've yet pushed into a book club, but just you wait. And <laughs> um, I, I think last year I spoke about Winter, which is one of her, her seasonal novels, right? And this year I read Spring, which I loved again so very much for all the reasons that I enjoy Ali Smith novels, um, which is that they are so beautifully observed. Um, they're very tender. They're about very specific sorts of relationships, but they also play with uh, with time. They play a little bit with reality. They they kind of push through boundaries and transcend those things all while staying very grounded um, And all, and doing it within just like, I don't know, 200 pages or something and I just really really loved it
0: I've never read Ali Smith actually I've always wanted to and then well just I know I know I know it's coming (laughs) well it's good to know what's coming ahead um but but I don't know I, I think it is one of those writers that again they're writers I think that you hear so much about and you keep thinking I'll get to them someday and she's one of them perhaps it's time perhaps it's time for me to start and if I did would this be
1: the one to start with? Oh, I don't know. if. Well, I loved this one. But I think honestly, anything, I find it hard to imagine that anything would let me down. Like she's become one of those writers where I just feel like if I pick up a book, I'm going to enjoy it or, or I'm going to get something out of it. So what you said about women writers is actually interesting
0: because as I was making my list for the show, I also realised that a significant number of the books that I'd read, whether for the show or not, have been by female writers and I'm, and it wasn't necessarily by choice or conscious decision so that was interesting and one of the books that I loved, loved, loved so much and it was a recommendation by a friend uh, is Circe by Madeline Miller and I hadn't read the one that she actually shot to fame with uh, Song of Achilles That's on my list, I'll get to it uh, Okay, so have you read Circe though? I have not. Right. So Circe is, I love Greek mythology, firstly, so it was an easy sell to me. Um, but the way it reimagines her story, the way it um, empowers her, takes her away from the myth, which kind of puts her in a very negative space and opens up that story and opens up all the characters in the story. I loved it so much. Um, if you like mythology, if you like this sort of um, reimagining of classical tales, It's one of the best I've read. And it's written so beautifully as well. Um, The writing itself is so strong that even if you're not into this kind of mythological storytelling, I think the strength of the language is worth checking out.
1: I agree. Um, I think she's also kind of an oddly simple writer to read, meaning her sentences are not Baroque and you know, mm. overwrought. The language is beautiful, but it's actually quite simple, um, which again, for stories that are quite old uh, and that she's telling in that setting, because it's not as if she's like Circe in New York, you know, it's Circe <laughs> where she is. The Song of Achilles is a book that I've taken some time to read um, and partly because I don't know about you and I don't know if Cersei is the same experience, but I found it um, emotionally overwhelming uh, because the Song of Achilles is a love story, right? Uh, primarily, it is a love story. It, it also, of course, reimagines what masculinity, what heroism looked like, um, what connection looks like, because it's about that uh, that tale between Achilles and his companion, or the love of his life, you know, depending on which version of the story you're reading, um, Patroclus. And so I found it difficult, actually, despite the fact that I love mythology, despite the fact that I I loved the writing, there would be moments where I knew what was coming. And so I found it difficult, because that's the other side of reading mythology, if you know the myths, um, which is that you know how things end. And uh, no matter how things are reimagined, you know how things end and half the time, more than half the time, it's tragic. That's actually why I stayed away from Song of Achilles because um, I didn't
0: know if I, I was in the headspace for it. It felt like it was going to be a lot. So Cersei doesn't quite do that. It has its moments of tragedy. Uh, but Cersei is a much less known character as well. Um, there are many versions of her myth. Um, there are many parts in which things are very opaque. Um, she's she's not a, she's almost a, a sort of a minor character in Greek mythology, right? So and so because of that, I think there's a lot more space for fiction in between the the parts of her story. And I didn't know as much as I might have say about Achilles or, or Patrocles. So I don't think this one was as tragic as I imagine Song of Achilles will be.
1: Can I just say that I hope Odysseus turns out badly in the story? Does he? I don't want to give it
0: away. <laughs> I, I cannot say anything. I'm just going to leave Fine. it at that. Fine. I just... but, but I didn't hate it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh it's just my, my firmest wish that in a telling of Cersei that Odysseus does not, you know, come off like a hero. Um, I, I wanted to close off at least on my part uh, of stuff that I've read this year with a book that I've referenced from time to time but haven't spoken about in full, and that is Michelle Obama's Becoming. So this is a book I that
0: knew I, you were gonna bring it up. It's
1: such a good book. Um this is a book I'm I'm late to. I, I know that. Um I think everybody listening who read it when she first released it, uh who's now heard the podcast, watched the documentary, will be like, what is going on here, but I I took my time with it partly because I wanted a little bit of space from the Obama era. To be honest, I didn't want to read it in the afterglow of um of having the Obamas in the White House because I I felt that it would color. It was just too close. Um, but when I so reading it with some distance and recognizing that it's not really about the first lady. Um, it's about a woman actually. In you know, as per the title, becoming someone, becoming the the fullest iteration of herself, um, I just loved it. She is a very personable writer. Um, she's a very descriptive writer. It was such an easy book to read, and I would recommend it to anybody. Honestly, uh, it's kind of packed a lot of stuff in there. It's like good family advice, good career advice, good storytelling. Just you know, an enjoyable read.
0: I'm realizing more and more as I do this show that I'm the kind of person who doesn't like reading books when they're in the middle of the hype, and because that's exactly why I didn't read Becoming. Um, I would probably love reading it, but much like some of the books we've already mentioned, I tend to perhaps want to stay away when they're in the midst of everyone talking about it. So perhaps now actually would be a good time for me to pick it up. I've been wanting to read Becoming. I love Michelle Obama. I've actually listened to bits of the podcast as well. Um My final recommendations, I have a twofer, but I'm sort of clumping them together because they're both closer to home than most, I think. Um, So I really loved reading a collection of short stories by this writer of Lao descent who's currently based in uh, Canada, uh, Suvankam Tamavongsa, and her collection is called How to Pronounce Knife. I actually read it because I interviewed her for the Georgetown Literary Festival Not a book that perhaps I would have picked up, even though I know her poetry, but it's such a great collection of short stories. Um, Short stories, I think, work in an anthology when they have a strong reason for being put together, but at the same time, each story offers something very different in her way of writing about immigration, um, her way of writing about people, um, finding a space, uh, finding their voice or their identity in a different country. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And the other one that I wanted to bring up was um, a Malaysian writer, How the Man in Green Saved Pahang and Possibly the World by Joshua Kam. Just such a vivid, fun, but also important book, I think. Um, it's set in Malaysia. It examines identity, but also what it... I'm trying not to give so much away. Um, it basically takes our local mythologies and kind of spins this whole new story about potential, um, you know, world-ending events. Uh, I loved it. It's it's such a quick, readable book, but has so much depth to it.
1: It was so evocative, too. Mm. When you read it, you really felt like you were road tripping through Pahang.
0: Yes, in a very specific way. <laughs> Yes, and that's exactly what I loved about it. So, let us know, what were your reading highlights of 2021? You can WhatsApp us 018 789 8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio or write to us at Book at bfm.my. And speaking of books that we have read, I think we should cap this off by talking about the books we want to read in the coming year. I mean, this is usually a speculative speculative exercise in my side because I tend to put down a list and sometimes never get to them. But I do have some that I'm very excited about.
1: Me too. Um, I wanted to start with uh, a, a confession and a commitment. So, like I don't know how many years ago now I said I wanted to read Marlon James's Dark Star trilogy. Um, oh, you know. Yes, me too. Right, which he opened with Black Leopard Red Wolf, which I have, which I started, and then I just I don't know why it just fell by the wayside. I'm not sure. It, I was really enjoying it. And then it was just something that one day I closed and didn't continue. And uh considering that the second installment, Moon Witch Spider King, is actually going to be out in February. I mean, i I'm not necessarily sure that I will be done with the book by then but I really want to read both books so um, I do want to read Black Leopard Red Wolf which was published in 2019 um, in preparation for Moon Witch Spider King which is coming out this year I want to say we did not
0: plan this sort of weird twin confessions uh, because I have a similar confession. I've been wanting to read Emily St. John Mandel's um, Station Eleven for years, right? And then the TV show came out and now I'm feeling very guilty because I want to read the book first before I watch the show, but I want to watch the show. So it's this whole mental gymnastic thing going on. And now her next book is coming out, um, Sea of Tranquility. And it sounds so interesting because it juxtaposes... A story happening in our past with a story happening far into our future. And I've heard so many good things about her writing. I've actually even read parts of Station Eleven, which I liked, but again, for some reason didn't finish. So I'm really looking forward to doing both, hopefully next year.
1: Honestly, Sea of Tranquility looks like exactly the kind of science fiction, speculative fiction novel that I enjoy, which is to say, weirdly enough, and I don't want anyone to read into this, sad. Um, <laughs> it looks, it looks kind of um sad and and like it asks questions about existence and um about parallel lives. And you know, I, I'm just really looking forward to it.
0: I'm also looking forward to um, another science fiction compilation by um, a rather unusual name. So Janelle Monet is actually publishing her first anthology of science fiction, her first anthology in general, and it just happens to be science fiction. It's called The Memory Librarian and Other Stories of Dirty Computer. And there is no reason why you shouldn't want to read it just from
1: hearing that title and who it's by. I want to add on to that and say that Dolly Parton's writing a novel. <laughs>
0: look um, at our show what has it where has it evolved to
1: look um, I'm just saying that Dolly Parton is writing a novel with guess who you'll never guess um, with James Patterson (laughs) and it's called Run Rose Run it's going to be about um, well a country singer I presume on the run I'm trying not to find out too much but um, it's set for release uh, in March of 2020 March this year and they co-wrote it and there's going to be an album of 12 songs by Dolly Parton as a companion piece and while um, I I like Dolly Parton I'm not a mega fan I don't have a lot of feelings for James Patterson I'm going to read the heck out of this book I'm going to download the heck out of that album I I, I just think it's going to be great I'm saying Book club vibes already. Uh, no,
0: I absolutely want to read that. Dolly Parton is so delightful. She's become mm-hmm. such a pop culture. She has been an icon, but has has sort of this like weird internet revival in the last four or five years. Uh, that seems like something just so out of left field that I'm I'm really into. Something local that I'm looking forward to, Hannah Alkaf's book, The Queen of Tiles, is coming out next year. Uh, it's supposedly about a mystery set in the high-stakes world of Scrabble tournaments. So I'm so excited because I love Scrabble. Thus far, I've actually really enjoyed Hannah's books. So I'm very excited about that one. That's just
1: tailor-made for word nerds, like you and I. That's more or less it. She's just baiting us at this point. Um, I I also wanted to just do two very quick ones. Um, Not a lot of details yet, but I have said before also how much I love, love, love Camilla Shamsi. Home Fire and the retelling of Antigone through the form of like, Islamization mm-hmm. and you know just the the push and pull of being an immigrant was so great and uh, best of friends her next novel is coming out in October um and it appears to be at least according to the blurbs about childhood friendship the way the political world intrudes into the personal all that good stuff um and so I'm excited for that I'm also excited for a writer that's new to me but sounds um incredibly interesting. And that is uh, Sandra Newman. So there is a book coming out called *The Men*, which is a speculative fiction that imagines a world in which all men overnight vanish from the earth. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't don't read too much into it. Again, I, I think it just sounds like a good premise. And she's also actually writing *Julia*, which is a feminist look at 1984 through the eyes of Julia, the the character in the book. Oh, so she's got two books coming out. Um, I think *Julia* is just being written, but *The Men* is definitely coming out. And I think I mean come on. It just sounds good. That sounds really good. Um, I like speculative fiction with those
0: kinds of deeply divisive premises because I think they offer a lot in terms of just thought experiments if nothing else. Let us know, what books are you looking forward to next year? Um, what do you plan to read? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. <laughs> us to footnotes and we thought we'd close off our discussion on um, well the past year the coming year by doing the new year thing and talking about reading resolutions or things that we'd like to perhaps do better when it comes to our reading habits in
1: the coming year what
0: did you want to start off with Lynn?
1: Um, I would like to stop flipping to the end Um, I never used to do this can you see the horror in my face yes you do um, this I never used to. Okay. Um, I never used to. But I think with this year, um, with a mixture of, uh, well, not this year, with, with 2021, pardon me, I'm going to be doing this for the entirety of January, I think. With 2021, I think with both attention as well as time being in short supply, I started getting a sense of, well, where is this going? is this going to be worth my time? You know, and it's not always that I would flip to the end, but I would start flipping ahead, I think, just to see how things would go. And I think that that ultimately led to a very disjointed reading experience. I don't understand people who do this um, as a matter of regular practice. Like, how do you manage it? Because um, I really found that it was interrupting my understanding of the story, the way it was supposed to unfold. Um And I don't think ultimately it saved me any time. So I think I just want to be more disciplined and return to uh, the way I used to read, which is to enjoy the book as it was meant to be enjoyed and not necessarily be thinking about what comes next.
0: I have a resolution that um, I think is tied to that we've genuinely not been able to go out. One of mine is going to be to just visit more bookstores in the coming year. I feel like I've slowly stopped going and I used to be the kind of person who would happily just go and sit in a bookstore for hours and browse and sit there and read a book. Of course, the pandemic has made a lot of that more difficult, but I think more significantly, not traveling has also made that something I've stopped doing I've, I've done it less and less because I used to visit bookstores in different cities and then just go and sit there and see what books they had. I want to do that here more um, and consciously, I think, enjoy that space and the joy of discovering books on a shelf versus reading about it online, Amazon recommendations, and instead the organic process of just coming across a book.
1: Yeah, uh, I completely agree with that. Actually, it's something that I miss. I don't know if it's a resolution so much as I'm just putting it out in the universe that I'd like to do it more because, uh, yeah, the the prospect of it's different, isn't it? Browsing a book, uh, being in a bookstore, that's also how you just, like you said, end up encountering things mm. that you might not otherwise have encountered. So yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I'd like to continue logging all the books I've read, uh, because I find that to be a helpful practice, um, just in terms of keeping track of what I'm reading, maybe even how my interests are developing as a reader. Um identifying patterns in in what I read that I would not otherwise see. Like, for instance, seeing that I've read a lot of women this year, which I enjoyed. um, And perhaps aiming for even more diversity in who I'm actually picking up. I started doing that this year because you suggested it to me. And
0: it was actually one of my resolutions last year. right? And I love doing it. I'm so glad I took it up. Um, I'm a convert. I'm definitely going to keep doing it it also helps me remember how I felt about a book, um, which is something that I think fades with particular books. Um, What I I don't know, I mean, and I'm sure different people have different journaling practices, but how I write about what I've read varies. Sometimes I just put down quick impressions. Sometimes I put down, you know, fawning words of love. So um, I like it. And I I think I'm definitely going to carry that forward into the next year. But As an addendum to that, I think one thing I really want to do, um, and I might have even said this uh, when we did this the last time, I want to carve out actual time to read and stop letting it be something I fit in between things, because it becomes too easy not to do it. Um, And having a device, having streaming services means that I always end up doing those first. Um, And so I think, you know, turning off your phone or or putting it on silent in a different room um, and deciding, well, I'm going to spend this time to this time reading, not because I have to, but because I actually enjoy it. That's something I want to do more consciously.
1: My, I'm going to close off by saying that I'd like to basically read one book this year that I find challenging. Um, and, and that's because I think, again, it's very easy as a, a fiction reader and somebody who really loves it to end up reading only fiction. Um, and we've spoken before about branching out into nonfiction and that's true, but I want to extend that even further to say, you know, poetry, uh, just, just things that perhaps are not science, books based on science, um, things that I might not necessarily pick up just because I think having uh, a variety of, of, types of books, building different types of reading stamina, if I can use that word, um, would also be helpful and something that I should start practicing really as a reader and as somebody who reads for work. That's a nice one. It's also not an
0: easy one, I think. Um, I think my brain tends to say you're already reading so much for work that you might not otherwise do. And so in my free time, I'm just going to keep reading the things I like and (laughs) nobody can force me otherwise. But I think that is a good one and it's a good way to kind of exercise parts of your brain that you usually don't. I wanted to close off with a very prosaic but important one. I've moved a couple of times in the last few years and therefore my bookshelf in my family home is a gigantic mess because I keep taking things out and in and dumping books in without any rhyme or reason. I want to spend some time and it's going to take some time organizing my bookshelf.
1: Well, uh, just, you know, workout before that. You, you need to prepare upper body strength. This is what I've realised with uh, bookshelf organising. It is little known and perhaps little discussed, but you really need to build your shoulder strength. There's a lot of reaching. Oh, absolutely. And especially if you're
0: carrying stacks of books here and there, yeah, or if you need to pack them up in boxes, it is quite a workout. I'm hoping I can actually convince some younger cousins to do it in exchange for lunch or dinner. We'll see. We'll see. Let us know what your reading resolutions are for 2022. You can WhatsApp us, 018789 98899, tweet us at BFM radio, write to us, and buy the book at BFM.
1: thank you for listening
0: to this podcast.